Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show. I'm Bill Barnwell. Today, the man who authored the most accurate mock draft, maybe in the history of mock drafts, underdog football's Josh Norris, joins us today to talk about the first round of the NFL draft, which picks he's most confident in projecting and which picks he is least confident in projecting and which player who I think is widely projected to go in the first round that Josh thinks will not be drafted in the first round. Very interesting stuff. But first, before we get into today's episode, I'd like to tell you about the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny. Yes, Mina Kimes, I don't know if you've heard of her, very talented, very smart ESPN football analyst, and her dog, Lenny. This podcast gets you ready for the NFL draft as Mina is joined by her friends each episode to talk about the latest NFL storylines. And of course, Lenny chips in with his scouting and research finds as well. That's the Mina Kimes show featuring her dog, Lenny. Listen wherever you get your podcast. All right. I had to have this guest on before the NFL draft because this is the maestro of mm. mock drafts. Last year, this man put together what I believe might be the best mock draft in the history of mock drafts. So I'm sure he is absolutely ready for a repeat this year. No pressure at all on our guest, the host of Underdog Fantasy Content on YouTube, Josh Norris. Josh, how are you? Bill, I'm thrilled to be here. I will say what I've realized is rather than trying to repeat with you know at least the greatest mock draft each year. That's a really difficult thing to do. Oh, I'm yeah. just going to treat this like these 72 Dolphins. And if no one else accomplishes 16 of 32 picks like I did last year, then I win, right? I get to pop champagne at the end of the night. And no one else is, you know, why would I do this? But, you know, if you just Google NFL mock draft, mm -hmm. then you get 24.6 million, million <laughs> results. Um, and so, yeah, like you said, no pressure. No pressure to try to top that from, from this year and last year. What would be, from your perspective, what would make you feel like you had a really good night this year? Great question. Thought about it a lot. <laughs> so, like we said, 16 of 32 last year. I think the next mm -hmm. closest in terms of player to team connections was mm -hmm. 13. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised. We've had as low as eight to nine you know, team and player connections be the best in that single year. I bet this year, 11 wins it. I bet this year, 11 wins it. And I, I've thought at times that, you know, it's coming into clearer focus that the equations are equaling the, the, what I want the results to be. Mm -hmm. And then I wake up today, Bill, you know, 36 sure. hours in advance and see that like my top 10 is the same as like five other people's top tens or very oh. close to it or eight out of 10. So uh, that makes me think that, all of us think we know what's going to happen and then nothing is going to come close, which is exciting. I should really like, you know, revert back into just enjoying the craziness and madness that is, you know, round one of the NFL draft. Oh, it doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, that cat is now <laughs> long out of the bag. Unfortunately, I mean, I, I, every year I do a mock draft that consists entirely of trades for ESPN. I think I've done seven of them now. So I have good. not gotten this, a single trade right in seven years. So <laughs> if I, if I hit one, if I hit one this year, oh. I'm going to, I'm going to cancel the column, celebrate for the rest of the weekend. We have you on today, Josh. Yep. I think something that's going to be relevant to uh, your thoughts about that top 10 and about 
uh, what sort of seems locked in stone. We're going to talk today about the spots in the NFL draft with, with now with about 24 hours to go when we release this that you feel most confident in projecting mm-hmm. and the spots you feel least confident in projecting. So if you're someone who is just a fan of the NFL draft, if you want to know where your team might be interested in, if you are a gambler and you're looking at maybe the market uh, for some of these props with 24 hours to go, um, a variety of things that might interest you here. But I wanted to have you on, of course, as someone who thinks about this stuff in, in a much. very concise, thoughtful way. I was, you could say too much perhaps, but I'm not going to put that uh, Bill, I freaking I, I dreamt it, about mock drafts on Sunday night. I think about really. This. Oh, it was boy. really bad. It was really bad. What was the dream? Please, just like trying to connect dots and like the. I had in my room like magnets on boards and things, and I don't have that <laughs> really in my room. It was like a figment of my imagination. So I don't know. Maybe that's like telling the future. In a year from now, I do have that. I think you should. Frankly, I I think you again. <laughs> I I fully support you leaning into this. I feel like. Like it should be like that meme of all the calculations going in front of that person, yep. but uh, but it should be in reality in your mock draft. I, I I feel like if you hit another big year this year, you have no choice but to lean all the way into it. Well, you know, if we can be honest here, we know yes. like betting and DFS, people can win large sums of money, millions of dollars, right? Yes. So, you know, I've on some level because I've been obsessed with the draft since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved in with my girlfriend like six months ago. And then, okay. you know, we've been together for a couple of years now. Sure. But this was like, when this happens, you know, she doesn't really understand it per se. Cause uh-huh. I don't really like to talk about work that often. Sure. And so like when I go out there and, you know, have the most accurate mock draft in history, <laughs> she just turns to me and she says, well, your company gives away, you know, millions of dollars to people who win. So like, what did you win from it? And I knew like exactly zero in my bank account. Like there was no monetary result that was a a positive in my favor. And now I just talk about it for this and then it's irrelevant for the rest of the year. So (laughs) thanks for bringing me on, Bill. Uh, If it makes you feel any better, my my now wife uh, repeatedly refers, thank you, refers to my columns as papers, like their their college uh, essays that I'm writing. I'm like, I get paid for this, you know, I'm very (laughs) successful. It's so oh, ridiculous. It is. Okay. Well, but what do we do for we, we talk about football? That's pretty ridiculous, but yes, exactly. And 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 I, of course, enjoy checking you out talking about football, whether it's it is the draft, whether it is yep. fantasy stuff at underdog. I recommend people do that. Today we are focusing on the draft. So we're gonna go through chronologically. Uh we'll stop along the way, plenty to discuss. We'll get to the spots you feel most confident in. And the least confidence. So, Josh, I'm going to cede the floor to you. Um, please start at the beginning of the draft and and go down to where you have to go to with either your most confident or your least confident spots for projection. Yeah, doing this chronologically, I think, is a really fun exercise. It's almost like mock drafting. It's if then statements, right? Mm-hmm. And we yep. don't have to go further than pick number one, Bill. Like last last Friday, Trayvon Walker was plus money to be the number one overall pick, and obviously that shifted incredibly mm-hmm. to like minus oh, three hundred yeah. today. Um, for a number of reasons. One, you know, Aiden Hutchinson for so long was perceived to be the number one overall selection. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Trayvon Walker. Now, that's not to say, Bill, that these reports of that room being split three ways, not three equal ways, but three three ways, I, I believe yeah. those. I, I truly do. Because it's, you know, I think it's only natural for a team to have high grades on multiple players. But if we can mm-hmm. go to critical factors, 
like Trent Balky, literally, if you go and search Trent Balky colon, I like long arms, you will find an article from 2014. Friend of the show, Will Brinson brought this up to me from the 49ers website where Trent Balky says, quote, I like long arms. And it's in reference to Aldon Smith and how great his career was early on. And just a quote here, he has 36 inch arm length. All of the guys last year on the defensive line were 34 or more. I think it's an important trait. It's a trait that's hard to find. And so if we can just say, well, how can Trayvon Walker, who doesn't have nearly the production that Aiden mm-hmm. Hutchinson had at Michigan, mm-hmm. be the number one overall pick? Well, critical factor is length. And Aiden Hutchinson mm-hmm. is seventh percentile arm length. Trayvon Walker, 95th percentile. Wow. And so if Trent Balky has the say and is convincing the rest of the room, including the owner, that this is the right move, then to me, like that is what this boils down to. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that that's totally plausible. And we've seen the market shift in that direction. And I think, you know, you brought up that idea of the, um, you know, of a draft room divided and, and that, that teams might have multiple thoughts. And I think from the outside, you know, we look at, at these NFL organizations and we think, okay, they have this just total clarity uh, when it comes to who to draft. But even think about last year. I mean, we know that's not true. Think about Kyle Shanahan, where our, our Adam yep. Schefter reported, you know, that they were initially interested in Mac Jones, that they made that trade up, maybe thinking about Mac Jones, and they kind of changed their mind as that process went along and ended up drafting Trey Lance. Now, we'll see what happens if that was the right pick or the wrong pick. But um, this stuff happens more than people think, I think, from the outside. You know, it's not as if there are there – are, situations where a team just falls in love with a guy at the beginning of February and just, you know, they he's their guy the entire way and they take him. That does happen, but there is uncertainty. There is back and forth. And I think that, um, you know, that could certainly be the case here with the Jaguars. There may have been points over the past two months where they said, we're going to take Hutchinson and then change their mind. Right. And, and Trayvon Walker could be the favorite now. So let me ask you, though, in terms of, you said the odds have shifted. Now Trayvon Walker is the the huge favorite here, and it certainly seems like he's going to be the pick. Is there a point at which the odds could drop or you would feel like you would take a shot on Hutchinson? No. I, no. I, I think we're really at the point where one is more locked into place than number two is. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to include number two here, but I, I think there's a little bit of smoke to them believing Kayvon Thibodeau might have been the selection for so long, and then Aiden Hunches is not factoring in so much until this point. Um, yep. There's some other points, though, at number one. If you want to throw some spice in here, Bill, mm-hmm. why Trevor sure. Walker might be the pick, we know Aiden Hutchinson comes out of Michigan. Jim Harbaugh, Trent Balky, not a great relationship. I, that I, is I true. understand if you want to like diminish this and, and disagree with it, but along with their eight-year grudge that they might hold against each other, the Michigan Wolverines also hired away, you know, front office executive Tom Gamble. They also hired away Denard Robinson from the Jaguars to the Michigan Wolverines this offseason. So this this little thing doesn't go away. And mm-hmm. both are fantastic athletes in Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker. Obviously, the mm-hmm. former has far more production, but you know this from watching the league, watching the draft. I can throw out a hundred names and Donnell Hunter and Max Crosby and, and Rashawn Gary, you know, if you have to, for me, decide between athleticism and production in a one-on-one matchup on an NFL field for pass rushers, I am taking athleticism over that production every single day. Now it's great when they have both and arguably Aiden Hutchinson has that, but you add on the critical factor of length. And again, that is what, since, you know, last week has been driving me to Trayvon Walker being the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think that 
even if you think that a guy should have just crazy production, Trent Bulky doesn't have to think that way. Like right. like NFL teams don't always have to think the same way we do. So uh, I I certainly think that that Trayvon Walker is is the pick here. I I don't disagree in the slightest. I I I think there's a price where mm. I'd be interested, but I it's not close yet. I think it'd have to be significantly further than where uh, Aiden Hutchinson is now. So is okay, it, let's move on. Plus two fifty right now for Aiden Hutchinson to be the number one pick. That's yeah. not good enough for me. No, I, I think it has to drop to like 700. I think I'd probably yep. take it there. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay, so let's get your next so that, that, that was a pick you feel very confident. Very in, confident. Sorry. And we'll stick with a very okay. confident bill. Um, let's go. Please. Let's go to number four to the New York Jets. Okay. You know, and it's always fun. Like I, I consume way too much as people out there. The listeners can tell I'm an absolute sicko. And so are you, Bill. Like, you're sick <laughs> yes. with this stuff. So yes. that's why we get along. Um, yes. When the national perspective and then the local perspective are so different mm-hmm. uh, with positions that are targets. And nationally for the Jets, a lot of it is cornerback, okay? Mm-hmm. Because I think people look at the depth chart and say, man, they don't have corners. They just signed DJ Reed. He's their number one corner. They have like three other second-year players. Mm-hmm. To me, that's by design, you know? Mm-hmm. If you look at Robert Sala's defenses in San Francisco, it was all about pass rushers, and then they just get by at the cornerback position, okay? Joe sure. Douglas, during his time with the Eagles, they would kind of just get by at cornerback mm-hmm. and load up on pass rushers. Mm-hmm. So here at number four at the Jets, a lot of people have either Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley, someone like that. Mm-hmm. I am going Iki Ikuanu, the offensive yep. lineman out of NC State. And people might ask, well, why? Makai Becton is there. That is a huge cloud elephant in the room that just yes. right now seems very unreliable to be what they want him to be despite a great rookie season. And again, if mm-hmm. we look at Joe Douglas, the best teams that they had with the Philadelphia Eagles were in the offensive line was absolutely dominant. Icky yep. can come in, be the left tackle, the best tackle on the team. George Fant stepped in quite well last year, but he's I think 29 contract mm-hmm. year. Great story yep. can play on the right side. But to me, this is where you solidify continuing to build around Zach Wilson and take the number one offensive lineman on your board. Mm-hmm. I mean, can totally see it. I mean, there were rumors that Mekhi Beckton might get traded. Yeah, during during uh, last season. Now, I didn't think that was. I thought there was smoke. There was enough smoke that I think it was, at the very least, a message to Mikai Becton. Like, we don't think you're doing what you need to do to get back in shape or get back, uh, you know, get get back on the field quickly enough. Um, but he was also, if I'm not, no, sorry, yeah, I mean, he was not. He, Robert Sala was not there when Mikai Becton was drafted. He was. That was when Adam Gase was. Uh, the head coach, Joe Douglas, was there at that point. But, um, you know, I I think there's – I think the point you made about Joe Douglas and Philadelphia makes so much sense in that this is a team that I think they were very aggressive 
for for decades, really, under Andy Reid about offensive linemen and defensive linemen. And that offensive line, the the uh, the Carson Wentz era offensive line that was really good, had significant investments oh, at massive. tackle with Jason Peters, Clint Johnson. They were invested on the interior, and they had depth. They were not just relying on their five starters to stay healthy. So I I think that drafting Iquanu, uh would not be out of the realm of possibility in the slightest, either as a replacement for Fant after he is a free agent, which would be in 2023, or as a replacement for Mekhi Becton. Um, I, I think that at that point, you know, Yes, it makes total sense to want to rely on Mackay Becton. I think it, it's great, but it's he's a sunk cost at this point. You know, yeah. I think if you think he's going to be a great player, then great. You have two great left tackles. Not many NFL teams can say that uh, if Aquanu does does pan out. But I, I do think he is absolutely in play with the fourth overall pick. Now, Bill, let me – and this is what makes this year's draft so – difficult i think is that a lot of these teams have two first round picks you know yeah and the jets are one of those and i always say this but like taking the nfl combine for example teams just go up there and lie to you in those press conferences oh yeah over and over again they only have to be honest with us through their wallets with free agency and through draft picks right so if we kind of follow the paper trail of what the jets have been doing over the last few months they chase chandler jones as an Mm -hmm. edge rusher and they chased like every single available wide receiver. You know, they chased Calvin Ridley. They had a deal accepted for Tyreek Hill. They chased Amari mm-hmm. Cooper. They're chasing Debo Samuel at this moment. So, yes, I understand offensive line at four might seem weird in that case. But again, we have another pick there at 10. Maybe that's Jermaine Johnson. Maybe that's one of those wide receivers and fulfills. Plus, they have two other second round picks as of right now, unless they get, you know, a trade done for Debo that fulfills, you know, those needs that they've been chasing as well. Mm hmm. If Iquanu gets drafted by the Texans at three, mm. which it, with that other own possibility, I don't think it's likely. But if that happened, what do you think the Jets would do it for? Yeah, I'm in on Derek Stingley at number three. Um, okay, I think I think Evan Neal would be a possibility, but the name that keeps getting brought up here is Jermaine Johnson, the mm-hmm. edge rusher out of FSU, and that's even ahead of of uh, Kayvon Thibodeau for the Jets mm-hmm. and. I'm not saying Joe Douglas is tenured, but we have been able to like pick up a few things yes. about his process and the types of players that he likes. And I love doing this. And I'll get into this a little bit more with some of these other selections, but mm-hmm. he loves senior bowl players, guys who go down there and tear it up in Mobile, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And he loves captains. And Jermaine Johnson fits that role of, you know, playing opposite Carl Lawson, who's basically now in his first year with the Jets and then adding Quinn and Williams and build your defense that way, even over a cornerback, even though both might be there. So Jermaine Johnson's a name to keep in mind at four and especially at 10. See, this is the stuff you don't get anywhere else. Joe Douglas likes captains. Where else? Where else are you getting that? But from Josh Norris. It's something like 22 of 30 selections or something have been captains. That's wild. Oh, no. Right across the NBC Sports Edge football wire, your former employers, my, my former freelance employers, Jets left tackle George Fant said he has discussed a contract extension with the team. There we go. So I'm do you still, think that- I'm still cool with him playing at right tackle and yeah. having Icky play left? And look, if Makai Becton checks back in and is that left spot, guess who also has guard experience? Icky Aquana. Yeah. So that's true. That's true. I I just wanted to see if that would throw you off, but I nothing I, throws I, me I, off, Bill. I tested your I tested your confidence, and <laughs> you came back. You came back at full swing, so I appreciate that. Let's move on. What's your next uh, confident or 
unconfident selection here. Yeah. So we start with too good. Uh, let's yep. go too bad. Okay. And speaking of bad, we have to bring up the Atlanta Falcons. Oh. Um, I mean, this oh, roster. Wait, sorry. Go ahead. I have one more question for you. So you think Derek Stingley is going to get drafted ahead of Ahmad Gardner? I do. You know, interesting. Uh, interesting. There are some LSU connections that no one's talking yeah. about that I won't also talk about here between, you know, Derek Stingley and the Houston Texans organization. Um, sure. Lovey Smith in his opening press conference. Uh, the only comment he basically made is our cornerback play has to be better. And <laughs> Derek Stingley, you know, if you go back and watch that first year, it's yeah. unbelievable stuff. Do I also awesome. think those LSU connections will allow them to get some practice tape against, you know, the Justin Jefferson's Jamar chases, Terrace Marshall's of the world. 100%. Mm-hmm. And um, has he checked every box in terms of his workouts coming off that Liz Frank injury? Yeah. So uh, I actually think he's he's changing to the betting favorite to be the number three overall pick, and uh, I think I had something to do with that in terms of just where where my wallet went over the last few days. The, the line mover himself, Josh Norris. I I would be very intrigued by that. I I would like to see that happen. Let's let's get to the the Atlanta Falcons. So you said, I, I mean, just are in terrible shape in so many ways, <laughs> right? And that's what makes it so difficult, Bill. Yes. this roster is disgusting. They have yeah. needs everywhere. And I actually think if we can take a step back, where they are right now, they must regret not taking a quarterback last season. You know, mm-hmm. like, don't get me wrong. Cal Pitts is going to be an exciting, really fun player. But the situation they put themselves in, where they probably were certain that they were going to get Deshaun Watson, and then being in that market, you know, made them, well, force Matt Ryan to, to ask for a trade. And now you're stuck with Marcus Mariota, Right. I mean, this offense is a total mess. And can they really go into the season, obviously without Calvin Ridley, and he might even be traded eventually, like with the worst wide receiver core in the NFL? Like, do they throw yeah. Arthur Smith a bone here and, and help him with that? But maybe, Bill, at number eight, they would have to be, you know, the first team to select a wide receiver. And it's not like there's a Jamar Chase of this group in terms of yeah. someone that can do it all. They're all different types. So that's where I'm leaning with the Falcons at eight. Would love to get your perspective, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, trading down makes the most sense for the Atlanta Falcons, realistically. Getting extra picks for a team that I think is hopeless. I mean, I think this is the worst team in football uh, on paper. And little reason to think that they're going to be way better than expectation uh, this upcoming season. Maybe Marcus Mariota will be great. Who knows? Uh, stranger things have happened. But I, I just think they are in position where... Teams who want to get ahead of the Seahawks, get ahead of the Jets, I think for a wide receiver would make sense. The commanders, we know, have been uh, very aggressive very. in terms of Ron Rivera going to some pro days, which I think you might discuss maybe in a minute. Um, there are teams who, like the Eagles, for example, who might be interested in moving up and getting ahead of those teams, getting ahead of the Jets. The Seahawks don't need a wide receiver. They can get an edge rusher maybe. Jets could go edge, uh, but wide receiver could be in the play for the Jets if they don't take a wide receiver at four. Again, the commanders at 11 could be interested in a wide receiver. So I think the Falcons, if given the choice between the best wide receiver in this class or trading down and getting maybe the second or third best wide receiver in this class, should probably choose the latter. But teams don't always think that way. And, And there may not be a situation where teams are interested in trading up. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about not being a lot of interest in teams trading up in this draft. So I think, I think given the Calvin Ridley situation, I think you basically have to write that off as a sunk cost. Like, I don't think it's likely he comes back, um, whether he would be coming back 
you know, I think at, at best he comes back and gets traded. He had already requested a trade before the story broke about his uh, about his gambling suspension. But I think this team just needs so much, you know, so I, I much, think, and like, that's what makes it difficult, man. Yeah, like, like wide receiver, edge, uh, linebacker. <laughs> I guess they mean linebacker. Um, but but they could still use quarterback, linemen, but they're not going to take one quarterback. You know. But they could. They could. I know. I know. Like Edge, I keep bringing up this name. Jermaine Johnson's one. Kayvon Thibodeau's a possibility if he stay on the board here. Then at wide receiver, and you know this, like Cal Pitts is kind of a tight end by name. He might truly Mm -hmm. be that first one that if he ever does get the franchise tag, has like a legit chance of saying he's a wide receiver because he's probably going to play outside, what, 45, 55% of the snaps next season. So then does that body type, take them out of, I don't know, the Drake London sweepstakes. I'm not saying that Drake London is just a contested catch guy. He can do a lot mm-hmm. more. In fact, I think his evaluation is quite similar to like 2014 Mike Evans. He also played a lot in the slot this past mm-hmm. year. Or do they want like just that vertical burner with Jamison Williams? Or do they want Garrett Wilson who can be that inside outside guy and a lot of those over middle routes that Arthur Smith loved to run with Tennessee mm-hmm. and yards after catch. So like, I don't even know what type fits there, but I'm, <laughs> I'm leaning towards Drake London at the moment. Yeah, I, I mean, I think a wide receiver is pretty easily in play. I think you just have to land on the white wide receiver because I, I think that, you know, with the edge, we don't know if Jermaine Johnson's going to be there. We don't know if Kevin Thibodeau's going to be there. I think it's more likely that that the top wide receiver is available as opposed to maybe the second or third best edge rusher. So I, I would lean wide receiver here, but I don't envy you. This is not a position that I would feel confident in in any way, shape, or form. Okay, so we go from the Falcons to another bad omen possibly bad feeling that i get when i'm i'm pondering what the seattle seahawks might do here at number nine uh, yeah. for a multitude of reasons I mean, the oh, last sure. time seattle was in this position to draft this early they were originally at pick number 12 they mm-hmm. traded out a few spots and took bruce Irvin. we all remember how chaotic that year was and we've oh, yeah. seen some like real nutso picks from pete carroll and john schneider ever since rashad penny lj collier Jordan Brooks trading out of the first round and getting Malik McDowell. So they sit here at mm-hmm. nine bill with no starting tackles on the roster. Like Dwayne Brown, Brandon shell are both mm-hmm. off the board in terms of their depth chart at the moment. They might yeah. be resigned, but that's where we sit. Um, sure. We know about the quarterback situation. They keep hyping up drew lock and I'm kind of starting to believe them, but many are expecting a trade here. And I yeah. spoke with Mike Dugar, who does great work covering that beat for the athletic. And he thinks those trades, when they were often picking in the 20s, were all based on Seattle running out of first-round grades. Yep, And that's not going to be the case here at number nine. That's like Most of these teams have 13 to 16 first-round grades. And so the name I keep coming back to is stopping the fall of Kayvon Thibodeau. Because you know mm-hmm. this. I, we're sickos. We probably watch these press conferences. And <laughs> I could totally see John Schneider and Pete Carroll sitting up there afterwards being like, man, this guy's a chip on his shoulder. He's the personality that we love, so on and so forth. So that's where I have them taking Kayvon Thibodeau at number nine at the moment. Yeah, I, I think edge is a legit need for them. I mean, they have invested high picks on the edge in years past with Earl Taylor and LJ Collier. I still think they could do more work there, to be frank. Um, I, I thought Pete Carroll, at the end of the day, like we know what this dude wants to do. He wants to play great defense and he wants to run the ball. And I, I think that their decision will be to fix one of those two things. Their defense was a disaster yeah. last season. It was a total mess. And they are not typically 
a team that spends a lot of draft capital at corner. Now, maybe if they think Sauce Gardner is just the the dude of dudes and they have to take him, I don't think they would be opposed to it totally. But um, I think it's more likely if they address the defense, they'll address it up front. And and I think the strength of that spot in the draft if Thibodeau falls would be for Thibodeau. Now, I I I think it depends on what happens with sort of the top of the offensive lineman class in this draft. Because it seems like to me, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, there's three guys in sort of a tier at the top in, in yep. Aquanu, Evan Neal, and Charles Cross. What are the chances you think all three of those guys could be gone by the time the Seahawks drafted nine? Yeah, very high. I would expect all of the Jets, the Giants, and Carolina to invest in those. But that's just even how, how I have it. And then mm-hmm. there's even national possibility from, you know, analysts that say the Houston Texans would be interested at number three. So yeah, th- there's just too much. And then that leads us to the equation, the possibility of if they have just such a dire need and they don't care about your damn board, you know, <laughs> they've said that over and over and over again by their actions is like Trevor pinning out of the question oh, at gosh. number nine, you know, like <laughs> that would be a very Seattle thing around. I don't know, nine 30 on Thursday night where we turn to each other and say, oh, of course they made that pick. Yeah, I, I don't think you can rule anything out for Seattle, which makes this so tough because they're they're not in the same position as the Falcons where they just need so much. But I think the way they view football is maybe more different. It's so significantly different from how so many other people view football, right or wrong, correct or incorrect. Like, I mean, they think they got a steal with the Russell Wilson trade. And I don't think if you ask most people around the NFL, they would feel the same way. So I, I think that's why uh, it's so tough to really gauge what they might do. Okay. Who do you we mentioned next? Washington Commanders at 11. Yep. This is back in the good. Okay. okay. You mentioned the, the, the pro day circuit. Uh, long time I have tracked the movement, let's put it that way, of Ron Rivera and Marty Herney. Just that combination. <laughs> uh Ron Rivera never goes to pro days. Never. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think during his time in Carolina, he literally went to, went to three. It was Cam Newton. It was Patrick Peterson. And it was Christian McCaffrey. Wow. I might be missing one, but that's it. Okay. He was a bit more active this year. Um, he was very, very interested in those Ohio State wide receivers. And it makes sense. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, they are great selections. Yep. Um, but Bill... The name that I've replaced him with here at number 11 is Kyle Hamilton, the safety really? out of Notre Dame to Washington. Wow. Um, I was the, not expecting this. Yeah. The, the team is obsessed. This is what I've heard through the grapevine. Obsessed okay. with filling that Buffalo nickel position. What, that's what they call the third safety. It's what they asked Landon Collins to do about halfway through last year, even though he didn't want to do it. Yeah. And they have no one to fill that. No one. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, that hybrid linebacker safety, as we know, it's not big nickel per se, because mm-hmm. three safeties are being utilized in a bunch of different ways across the league. And uh, Kyle Hamilton here to 11 to the commanders is, is something that I have a really good feeling about. And if it was going to be a wide receiver build, that name I mentioned before, Drake London really might be a Scott Turner type. Mm-hmm. Now, Kyle Hamilton, uh, at, currently at the Caesars Sportsbook, which is the official sportsbook of uh, ESPN, I believe. I don't know if I've got the actual title, but we're partners with them, I suppose. You just made him. Kyle so. Hamilton's, 
Apparently, I just did a big deal for ESPN if that's not the case. So hopefully I'm correct. Kyle Hamilton, uh, his, his prop is at 11 and a half. So he's right at, uh, right at that spot for Washington there at 11. So I, I mean, I, I, I think I was committed in my head to them taking a wide receiver. Yeah, me too. But I could, I could absolutely see why you'd make this case. I do think that's an important position for them. I think the defense was extremely disappointing. To, for Washington last year. And I think I wouldn't be shocked on the slightest if that's how they think they're going to fix things. We know they've invested so much up front. They added William Jackson, expensive corner last year. They cut Collins. I think they like Cam Curl. I mean, Cam Curl's going to play for them. I think they resigned Bobby McCain, who right. did a, a solid job for them, but they still need to add somebody there for sure. So I think absolutely Kyle Hamilton, if he does fall to this point, would be in play. Are you? Do you think it's more likely Kyle Hamilton is drafted before this point? Or he would slip past Washington. Yeah, I don't see a spot for him in the top ten. Otherwise, unless it's Atlanta at eight with a Dean Peace defense, but mm-hmm. I think this spot makes the most sense. But then again, it it gets spicy if Drake yeah. London is there for me. Right. I th- I think that's the tough part as well. Um, let's move on. What what's your next confident, not confident pick? Not confident. Because it's a new journal manager. It's it's a new regime. It's it's new decision makers at the Minnesota Vikings at 12. It is. Um, I just do not know Quezzy's process yet. I can kind of take guesses because of you know his relationship with Andrew Barry. What we've learned yeah. about Andrew Barry is that he will only take young, athletic, pillar position players. Meaning mm-hmm. he will basically only take tackles, quarterbacks, cornerbacks, and pass rushers. And that's it. Part of me, mm-hmm. Bill, wonders if wide receiver might start to enter that equation, especially on rookie deals, just with how the league has been going this offseason. And mm-hmm. so that's where I'm leaning here at 12. Like with Kevin O'Connell coming in, you know, tight end, which they use quite a bit of with the Rams, sure. it's Irv Smith and Johnny Munt on that roster. You know, Tyler Conklin got a really nice deal from the Jets. Mm-hmm. So I think that this team is going to be an 11 personnel focused organization. Adam Thielen's going to be 32. KJ Osborne is solid, but this is like the perfect spot for wide receivers in round one. So maybe it's a Garrett Wilson that I mentioned, a Jamison Williams. I could see Chris Olave, Drake London, whichever the name. Wide receiver mm-hmm. makes the most sense at 12, but again, just having a new process to try to learn and, and the critical factors that they have, it has my head spinning. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that... You know, we can look at Quise's background. He is a, a a nerd, and I mean, I'm not saying that to be critical. Like, I'm a nerd. He, he is a he is a analytics friendly person. I, I think he will. You know, if you ask him publicly, he might not say quite as much. I don't know him personally. I can't say that I I've had a conversation with him, so I don't know him personally. But I do think that that is how he's thinking about things in the draft. And I think if you narrow down, okay, what would they what would they be interested in? You know, I think you'd take tackle off the table. I think they just drafted Christian Darisol last year, and he did not play much, but I think you're going to have to see him there. Brian O'Neill's a very good right tackle on the edge. They do have uh, Daniel Hunter. They they signed Zedarius Smith this offseason. It's only a one-year deal for Zedarius Smith, really, so I think they could go edge and yep. say, okay, we're going to just build through our defensive line, and and, and Adolfo Mensah does come from San Francisco, where they did do that quite a bit in, in the last few years, so I could see that being a possibility there. Um, it's one of those things where I think originally people were sort of mocking Derek Stingley here, and I right. think it just felt like a like a really good fit, like yeah. you know, a valuable position, team of need, and then Derek Stingley got out of their range. Now they can't take him anymore. I, I I think to be honest, 
the most likely scenario would be I think they would probably prefer a trade yep. if they could, which makes it more difficult because then who who's going to be on the board for them later in the first round. But I think I think wide receiver is certainly in play. Adam Thielen, like you said, um, in his 30s, coming off of a high ankle sprain where he tried to come back and wasn't able to, had surgery. And we know, I mean, that can be a career impacting injury for veteran wide receivers. Next year, Adam Thielen, uh, they would save $6.5 million if they did move on from Adam Thielen. Uh, if they cut him as a pre-June first release, as a post-June first release, it'd be an even more significant saving. So I don't think you can rule out that they're thinking, okay, we'll draft a wide receiver this year. He'll be our number three, and then he'll be our number two next year after we move on from Adam Thielen. So I, I think that's absolutely in play. I, I would lean edge just because yeah. I do think the Zedaria Smith deal is a, it, you know, it, it really isn't a significant commitment. It was phony it money. Phony money. It was money. a lot a lot of phony money from a guy who, I mean, the Ravens signed and then didn't, and he, he failed his physical, which I think should tell you. And then the fact that he only got one year, and I think it's six and a half million basically from the Vikings, I think should tell you teams are seriously concerned about his long-term, uh, you know, his long-term viability. So I think edge could be in play here for sure. Um, so Darius Smith also, by the way, a guy who is probably best rushing the interior, at, you know, rushing against guards, um, had a lot of success doing that in the past. So, I would lean edge, but I think wide receiver is absolutely in play to an extent that maybe it wouldn't look like if you look at their depth chart. Yep. Okay. We just have yes. to go one pick down yep. to another team that we have really no clue what's going on in that building for a number of reasons. <laughs> and the Houston yes. Texans at, at 13. I told you I feel pretty good about number three. Yep. I have zero clue. Zero <laughs> clue of what could happen at number 13 because it's very similar to the Atlanta Falcons. This roster sucks. Yeah. And Bill... They're not going to take a quarterback. You know, mm -hmm. when Lovey Smith took over, he handed the offense over to Pep Hamilton. Pep Hamilton is a huge Davis Mills fan, and they're going to try to build what they can around him and see what he has for the 2022 season. So like, just like you said, for the Vikings, I could see it with the Texans that this might be a nice trade out partner for a team moving up for the quarterback. But from like, again, a national perspective, a lot of people assume offensive line at three yeah. And I would just throw this in there. You know, Larry McTunzel, who knows what the future is, but he right. is under contract for two years. People forget about Titus Howard, who abysmal guard, pretty good offensive tackle, decent, mm -hmm. and is a former first round pick. I think that they're going to move forward with those two guys at, at, at tackle and then maybe try to find an interior guy along the way. But really, every need is available here at number 13. And this might be another spot for wide receiver as well. I think wide receiver is is more likely than anything else. I, I think if you are going to make that Davis Mills case, I, I think adding a wide receiver here would make a lot of sense. And they have Brandon Cooks. I know they did draft Nico Collins last year. I know he's kind of a athletic darling where you're sort of hoping you get more uh, in his second season. Maybe he breaks out. Maybe he does. That's great. But, um, you know, I, I do think that if you want to give Davis Mills the best shot, you'd add another wide receiver. I mean, Brandon Cooks yeah. does have a history of concussions. He has a track record where you would be a little concerned that you might not have him for 17 games each and every year. Um, so I, I don't think that's out of the question whatsoever for the for the uh, Texans there in the first round. And I will say, you know, if Larry Tunsil was entering the final year of his deal and he'd requested a trade or something, I think it'd be different. But I... The Patriots have not always been a team that invested heavily at right tackle. Left tackle, yes, they have definitely invested heavily at left tackle. But 
right tackle, not quite as much. So maybe yeah. if Laramie Tunsil is moving on after the year, maybe it'd be different. But they just restructured Laramie Tunsil's deal uh, to create cap space, which is not something you do for a guy you're expecting to trade either um, this offseason, which I think is not happening whatsoever, or next offseason. So I, I would lean... If I'm going offense, I would lean receiver here. And if okay. I'm not going offense, I think I would look towards... Uh, it sort of depends what they do at three, right? I think if you're taking the kicking Stingley at three, you're probably going towards the edge or towards towards the defensive line maybe. And and I think maybe this could be a spot for um, Jordan Davis if he's still on the board here. Mm. We'll get to him in a moment. Uh, let me yes. throw a, a banger at you. Okay, Bill? Please. And these odds might even change by the time that this gets posted. But Quay Walker... A linebacker out of Georgia, um, widely viewed as like a fringe first rounder for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tom Pelissero, just before we logged on, said he's going top 20. Okay. Wow. Uh, he you can get his odds to be drafted in the first round at minus 150. Mm -hmm. Um, go do that. And in fact, (laughs) I'd go look at first linebacker off the board odds. Bill, I got it at plus 800 last night. Oh, man. Um, I wouldn't be shocked because as you know, Lovey Smith defenses, those linebackers who can run some ground, cover some ground, quite mm-hmm. important. Yep. Um, it's so difficult to, to determine where a lot of these really good linebacker prospects can land in round one. And since mm-hmm. I have no idea what the Texans are going to do at 13 rumblings that one of these guys is going to be in the top 20, I might land on Clay Walker here to the Texans at 13. Yeah, I mean, I think if you think if you start from the 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 if then procedure, okay, Quay Walker's going somewhere in the top twenty. Where is he going to go? Well, I mean, we can rule out the top ten probably. Yep. So you're looking at eleven to twenty. The Vikings probably aren't taking a guy to not premium position. The Ravens, I guess they could. They were terrible at tackling last year, but doesn't seem like something they typically do. The Eagles basically think linebackers are uh, a waste of money. The Saints right. don't need a linebacker. Brandon Chargers, Staley kind of thinks the same thing. Yeah, maybe maybe he could. Not out of the question. Steelers don't need a linebacker, so he's not going at 20. So really, it only gets narrowed down to a few teams. And the Texans, I think, given the unknowns there, I think that's totally plausible. So I, I don't blame you on the slightest for thinking that. Um, again, and I, I don't. I'm not saying that Tom Pelissero is right or wrong. I think he's a very smart person and someone who I think would report this based on hearing it directly from a team. So I, I'm inclined to believe him. Yep, I'm with you. Okay, let's go to that name that you uh, you brought up in Jordan Davis. Yep. I think if if I'm allowed to give myself a little bit of leeway. He ends up with either the Baltimore Ravens or the Philadelphia Eagles. I think these two teams are going to arm wrestle over the freakiest of freaks that we've ever seen enter the NFL. Legitimately, Mm -hmm. 6'6", 341, Jordan Davis is the most athletic prospect we've ever seen enter the NFL. And these tenured GMs, again, Eric DaCosta, Howie Roseman, who build through the trenches, through the spine, through all that type of stuff over and over and over again, I think they're going to really respect that because they sit through these draft classes, thousands of prospects every single year Mm -hmm. and see the same type of player over and over and over again. And I understand how he loves those undersized three techniques, the the Fletcher Coxes, the Javon Hargraves, the Milton Williams, but this man's just different in Jordan (laughs) Davis. And then if we go to Eric DaCosta and the Ravens, which I think is even more likely at number Mm -hmm. 14, Derek Wolf, Calais Campbell, 
Michael Pierce, they're all like 30 or older, right? Yep. And I would not be shocked, again, just visualizing these post-draft press conferences. If Eric DaCosta gets up there, and you said it, they struggle with tackling and their linebackers and all that. Jordan Davis would give them a lot of leeway, a lot of room to run around and says, you know what? When I turned on Jordan Davis's tape, I saw a lot of Haloti Nada. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we move on from there. So 14, 15, in fact, I could see the Eagles doing a little trade up at 15 mm-hmm. and then a little trade back at 18. Cause we know how he loves a deal oh, in sure. order for them to get Jordan Davis as well. Now, when you say visualizing these press conferences, I'm, a, I'm, I'm picturing dreams. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm picked, I'm picturing dreams. I'm picturing like a seance. Maybe I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just picturing like, like a very involved process for you. Imagining these press conferences. Is that I fair? Got, I, I got to be honest with you, Bill. Again, I, I've already called myself a sicko. So what's the, what's the sure. harm in saying it again? No need. I to go hide. back. I go back afterwards and watch every single post draft press conference. End wow. of round one, end of day two, end of day three for every single one of these teams. And the reason why is because again, I talked about them lying to our faces all the time. Sure. You feel the relief steaming off of them. You know, it's, it's been, it's been months of keeping these secrets and then they all feel like they nailed the draft. Right. Of course. And so they are brutally honest, more honest than they ever are at any other point in the off season. So you get to hear about the process of them getting the pick, the plan that they have for these players as well, where they might slot in the depth chart. I have a hundred stories. I can tell you of little things that I picked up like Rex Ryan with Doug Whaley, uh, Rex Ryan was handing out starting jobs to all these guys, and then he didn't show up for you know day three because they didn't want him handing out more starting jobs. And there, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of things. And it, you get to pick up little relationship stuff as well. So that's what I'm saying when I'm saying visualizing all these mm-hmm. post-draft press conferences because it takes me you know two weeks to go back and watch them all. A grinder. Grinding the tape in a totally different way. Josh it's, it's the real well, world days, man. That, that's, that's what that's it does true. to me. That's a really good point. Okay. You have a couple more. Who's next? Um, okay. Why don't we go to 20 with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yep. But first, we have to take a couple steps back and talk about the Panthers at number six. Okay. You know, for months, a lot of people assumed that Kenny Pickett was going to be the Panthers' selection at number six. I'm here to tell you that's not going to happen. Okay? I, I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. I would be stunned. I would be shocked. And I think a lot of people made the easy assumption of like, the Matt Rule, Kenny Pickett photo when he was at Temple, um, that you know the the team owner and David Tepper got his undergrad degree from Pittsburgh. Well, Bill, if you go if if he watched you know Kenny Pickett in his first four years, he was throwing fourteen touchdowns and nine interceptions a season. That wouldn't right. make me want to take it at number six. Let's put it that fair, way. Fair. Um, but again, if we can follow the paper trail, they're the only team that can take on either a Baker Mayfield and Jimmy G contract. Maybe those contracts change a little bit, but they work to get there. You know, and so it's so clear to me that as long as one of those top three tackles is available at number six, they will take them. And if not, no second, no third round pick for general manager and Scott Fitterer. They're trying to bounce out of there. And maybe if they bounce down, they'll be more open to taking a quarterback. But if they do take a quarterback, I don't think it's a zero traits quarterback in Kenny Pickett. It'll be more along the lines of Malik Willis. I agree. So. That brings us to the Steelers. So if the Panthers are not taking a quarterback at, at six, who's left on the board for the Steelers at 20? And are they taking a quarterback? Yes, I, I think they are. And again, the Mitchell Trubisky contract is, is very much of the, if we can bring them up, the Andy Dalton 
Mike Glennon's of the world of like, oh, oh yeah. you're, you're getting replaced. Um, that, that, that was a, that was one of those great ones where there was a week of rumors about how Mitch was getting a lot of money and right. then the, the contract was signed and there was no report on the deal for like two weeks. And it's right. like, okay, well, we know why this is happening. So I think if all of these teams stay where they are, which uh, yeah. according to your column is impossible, but if that happens, um, then I think the Steelers are the first team that takes a quarterback and yeah. that's at number 20, you know? And that also leads me to the point of, I, I love the under on two and a half quarterbacks in round one, but we can talk about that if you want to. Um, Ooh, okay. Malik, you know, the, the Steelers have been really bad at hiding their intentions over the last few years. Um, yeah. Last year, Najee Harris, everyone, even though that was pick, what, like 24, everyone had it locked in there for weeks. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Um, people even had them trading up in the top 10 for Devin Bush. I don't think they'll have to go in the top 10 to get Malik Willis. I would side with that to be their their quarterback because again, mm-hmm. Matt Canada loves you know the motions, the movements. Willis yeah. is a fascinating prospect in that he loves to throw outside the numbers and downfield. It's almost like the anti Lamar Jackson who is you know cerebral over the middle of the field on inside breaking mm-hmm. routes. Yeah. Uh, that's a blind spot. He doesn't even look there, Malik Willis. So I think he has a long way to go, but. Um, if I had to make like a quarterback to team connection, it would be Willis to the Steelers there at 20. Yeah. I, I mean, even if they do trade up, I don't think they're trading up significantly right. far to get there. Like, I, I don't think they go higher than 12 because I don't think there's really much of a threat of anyone taking a quarterback before that point. And I think, right. you know, the Vikings, like we said, probably interested in trading down. The Texans may be interested in trading down. I don't think the Ravens would make that. Maybe they would. I don't think they, maybe they wouldn't care. Maybe they just say the hell of it. Let's just trade. And let's get the extra picks if we don't want to take a guy at 14. But I think wherever it is, whether it's 12, 13, 14, 20, I think the Steelers will draft a quarterback. Are, how how confident are you in Willis versus Pickett? Oh, I mean, I'm, I don't know if Kenny Pickett is a first-round quarterback, man. Wow. Um, and maybe that'll look so dumb, so dumb in a couple days. But I mean, it, it feels like it's either looking really smart or really dumb, and there's no middle ground. <laughs> if, I, if I were to put odds on the second quarterback selected or like the two in round one, it's Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter. That's where oh. I'm at. And, and that's changed a lot. But I, I really think the league is just about traits at the position now. And with Kenny Pickett, while he is athletic, like probably more athletic than people give him credit for, he needs to be, at least to me, like a precision passer in the pocket. And he wasn't that at Pittsburgh, you know, and, and he didn't just sit there and go one to two to three and then use his athleticism. If one wasn't there, boom, he's taking off. And then you add on what he's like 23 and a half, 24 and didn't break out into that final season. The all, the whole combination of it, like if it's not Carolina, then who wants that? So maybe Mm -hmm. I'm being harsh, but that's just how I view it. Yeah. I mean, he's third favorite right now. Uh, at plus five hundred to go with the sixth overall pick. That's so great. And I, I and I think I think the argument you're laying out is correct. I don't. I think he will go in the first round, but I think it will be at the very end. I I, I could see a team trading up into the very bottom of the first round to get him and saying. Cause I I think teams do talk themselves into that. Oh hey look we got you know this guy was a, a top ten grade and we got him at at thirty two. This is great. Um, sort of like Brady Quinn all those years ago where the yeah. the Browns took we're going to take him at three and they took Joe Thomas and. I think it was Joe Thomas and then traded back into the first round to get Brady Quinn. Granted that maybe not the best example, but you get what I'm saying. How many quarterbacks do you think go in round one? I would say two. 
Yeah. And again, the I'm, line, the line was three and a half and it's dropped yeah. all the way to two and a half, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really in the camp of two and a half and Bill, Chris Burke, who does a great job covering the lines made the statement. I'd love to get your perspective. Cause you have, I think great thoughts on just contracts in general oh, is know. the fifth year option for quarterbacks, like enough to say, oh yeah, we want to trade up to get them in round one, you know, like that keeps being thrown around. Well, you get the fifth year option if you trade up and take them. But like, if these quarterbacks show something, then they don't get to that fifth year. Correct. Right. It, it, it helps a little bit in terms of the, you have more runway to work with. Like if you're going to give your quarterback an extension after three years, it helps to have that fifth year option. Cause you have, you can spread the contract a little further. Um, and you have a little bit more team control in terms of cost, So you can, I guess, theoretically, bring them down a little bit in terms of cost, but I, I can't I can't say that the guys who have been taken in the first round have been any cheaper than you would have expected um, with the fifth-year option. So I don't think it matters all that much. Is that fifth year's I, expensive? I, it is, but it's, it's still not as expensive as it would be on, on a multi-year deal. I think right. like for how much is Sam Darnold's this year? Is it 18? Yeah, let's not talk about Sam. Okay, we'll move <laughs> on. Okay, who else, who else do we have left? We have one, two more? No, I think we just have one left. Okay, what's the last one? Um... Let's go to the Tennessee Titans there at 26. You know, they have been sniffing around quarterbacks a lot, a lot. Mm -hmm. And why wouldn't you after, you know, the performance that Ryan Tannehill put out there against the Cincinnati Bengals to to end the season. But this is a a weird team in that they have invested a lot in offensive line recently, but really have nothing to show for it. And Mm -hmm. just lost Roger Saffold, cut him. And he like, you know, helped solidify that group, but you get to like 26 and you're looking at, you know, should Tyler Linderbaum be there? Who's a center only in a lot of people's eyes is mm-hmm. right tech, right. Tackles a big question. Is there one that's there? Because that's, you know, a premium position. We talked about it earlier in the show that teams love to draft premium spots Is wide receiver, a possibility, you know, even after adding Robert Woods coming off an injury, would they be into, I don't know the J- Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks's of the world world, but like, I, I don't think they go in quarterback. Maybe you can talk me out of that because again, they low key have a lot of needs, even though like, I think Mike Vrabel from what he's done when listed as an underdog each and every week is like one of the best coaches in the league. And maybe one of the more underappreciated ones week in week out. He's great. I mean, I think he, they, he gets more out of that team than it looks like they're going to get on paper each and every year. Um, That is a, interesting question i to get to the quarterback thing i think football twitter is thirstier about moving on from ryan Tannehill than tennessee is i like that is it, the hunch i get like i think if they have a guy they love yeah i think they take a quarterback if he's there but i don't think they're like thinking okay he wasn't good last year we have to move on from him like i think they're in a position where he doesn't have to be a big focal point of that offense. I think they want him to be just the guy who hits shots off play action. Yep. I think they want to surround him with pieces, and and he's going to be sort of the point guard there. And I think we've seen that work. And and I think that just because it wasn't all that great at times last year, I don't think they are expressly set to move on from him. And again, if they have a guy they love and they've been hiding it for for three months, that's different. But I think in terms of just let's get a quarterback just because we want to move on from Ryan Tannehill, I, I don't think that is likely. I think I would lean towards interior offensive line. I don't know if Lindenbaum would be the pick. I wonder about the guards. I mean, do you think Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson are still on the board here? I do not. 
No, I, I look at Arizona at 23. I look at yep. Dallas at 24 as two spots where Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green can go. So uh, lucky, maybe even New England, even though I kind of think how the Patriots, at least in the past, you know, obviously Dante Skarniecki was an incredible offensive line coach and had so much say in who they selected, but they would never take, you know, those interior guys early. They'd love to develop right. and, and work with them and, you know, not spend high draft capital. Maybe they do that now that Skarniecki is not there, but yeah, 23 and 24 to Arizona and Dallas makes a lot of sense for those two interior line that you mentioned. Yeah. I, I think they will go for either one of the interior linemen. I think they could go for um, maybe defensive line help. I know, that, of course, Jeffrey Simmons is an absolute monster. They they did resign Harold Landry and Bud Dupree. I'm thinking maybe they go for a defensive tackle or maybe a, a five-technique uh, defensive end to, to back up Simmons and Tonico Autry. I, I don't think they would go secondary. Yeah. I mean, they could but, maybe go strong. Because they took Caleb Farley players. last year, and he missed a yeah. whole bulk of the season after you know being a first-round pick. It's a, Like I said, this is a tough team. That's why I threw it out there. I know it's not an interesting one. It's not as interesting as you know, like the two Packers first-rounders, the two Chiefs first-rounders. But right. we're just trying to plug names onto teams. 26 to Tennessee. No freaking clue, Bill. Well, I mean... You're the, you're, you're the expert here. I feel like, like I feel like I feel like you're going to hit one or two of these I have absolutely no idea picks, which is why you're built different than everyone else. Can I throw that one out there? I'll Please. throw a couple out there, okay? Okay. Maybe some people can get some long shots here. Please. Um hmm, let me find let me find some going. Okay, Logan Hall, the Houston yep. defensive lineman, 22 to the Packers. Calling my shot okay. there, okay? Sure. Tyler Smith, I think you can get his first round odds bill at like minus one ten, something like that. He's the offensive tackle out of out of Tulsa. Yeah, minus one ten. He's mm-hmm. I think locked in to round one. Um, wow. Kair Elam, the corner out of Florida, Buffalo, and Brandon Bean love young, athletic, toolsy prospects at a variety of positions, and you know they lost Levi Wallace in free agency who after being an unjust free agent, locked down that cornerback position for years. And they really yeah. don't have anyone opposite Trey White. So I really like Kyrie yeah. Elam there at 25 as well. Those are like three, again, from, I don't know, where did we start there? 25 on, 22 yeah. on, that I really like. Okay, one more question, and we will finish up here. We've already talked about Kenny Pickett. Certainly, that would be a surprise if he fell out of the first round. Um, I think you've made a very reasonable case for that to happen. Is there anyone else where you see him going quite frequently in the first round, who you think will fall out of the first round? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mentioned Quay Walker and yep. Devin Lloyd is the other one with that. And interesting. I, I, I'm not going to give you an evaluation here of Devin Lloyd, but again, it's just really tough to, to place these linebackers. And you add on that he's like 23, 23 and a half. I see the Bernard Raymond guy, the, the tackle out of central Michigan as well. He's already 24 and a half. You know, I think it's really important when placing players with teams, you look at which organizations, which decision makers are willing to, you know, have older prospects be first rounders because Devin Lloyd and Tremaine Edmonds, who's about to finish his rookie deal are Mm -hmm. basically the same age. They're six months apart, you know, age is a big factor when it comes to these decision makers and spending first round draft capital on them. So, you know, just, just factoring that in 
with some of these players and, and how frequently they're mocked in the top 10 or the top 20, that's where I lose a little bit. And to be honest with you, Bill, Trent McDuffie is another one I'm, ha- I'm struggling with. He's a great corner out of Washington, but he has less than 30-inch arms. And I think just a lot of these decision makers as an outside corner will want someone you know, to have a little bit more length there. Yeah, I think that's totally in play. Okay, Josh, I think I know what you're going to be doing tomorrow during the draft. Can mm. people watch you sweat this, this mock draft to come? Where can they do that? Well, while on your television, you have ESPN or ABC or wherever platform you're watching the draft. Put me, Hayden Winks, Charles McDonald, who I know joins Debatable all the time, uh, up on your second screen, on your phone, on your iPad, wherever. Um, We'll be doing a live stream, have some alcohol, sending out pizzas, (laughs) some online friends and guests from across the country that, you know, are our buddies. Um, Mm -hmm. We're going to have them that they're fans of teams and you know, reacting for better or for worse to their team selections. So that'll be on the underdog fantasy channel on, uh, on YouTube. And I'm excited for it. It's going to be really relaxed and just fun. So finally we'll get to have a little fun bill. And you're publishing a mock draft between now and tomorrow. I assume I am. Yeah. Yeah. Tonight. I think the deadline for me is like midnight. Um, oh, wow. I, I, I was even changing stuff while we were talking bill. So wow. uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's uh again, if I hit, Let's see if I hit 10, 10 and a half, okay. I think is a pretty good goal. That's what you're setting the line at. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm really bad at underselling and over delivering. That's like a real issue that I have, but I just did it here on your massive podcast. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right. Well, and you're on social media as well. I am just at Josh Norris and Bill. This is always a great time. I'm excited for hot, hot best ball summer. Uh, best yeah. ball Media three kicks off next week as well. So, uh, That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. Josh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks so much to Josh Norris of Underdog. I mean, dude, the the last year's mock draft was incredible. Go back and read it. It is legit. I I assume this year will be very exciting. Hope you guys are excited about the draft tomorrow. Uh, We'll be back next week, I think, talking about maybe wrapping up some things from the draft. Hope it's interesting. Hope you guys Get who you're hoping for. I know that can't always work for every single team, but hope that that manages to work out for you. Back with more audio next week. Thanks so much for listening.